Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Friday, August the 31st edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, that's a wrap for the preseason, guys. The Dolphins pick up a lopsided victory in Atlanta. We'll go over the key points, talk about the change in play calling, as well as fill out your 53-man roster for the 2018 Miami Dolphins. But first, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast. Give me a follow on Twitter, at NFL. Vote the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter and the show, at LockedOnFins. And of course, the number one blog in the LockedOn Network, LockedOnDolphins.com. We have plenty of good pieces for you guys up today. The 53-man roster prediction and a piece that might be a bit of a fluff piece titled Meet Your New Stars Miami, detailing six players that will replace the previous stars let go in Miami. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. No big injuries to report. Good news there once again. Let's go ahead and kick this thing off. That's another Miami Dolphins and the Dolphins do pick up a win in Atlanta, 34-7. to And although it could have gone by the wayside and we never would have known about it or been any the wiser, Adam Gaze gave the media and the fans 10 days worth of material to bicker about on Twitter and the like. Dowell Loggins called the plays in this game and the Miami offense had no problem moving the sticks, picking up chunks of yardage at a time, and scoring plenty of points. And I made the comment on Twitter about this before this revelation went down as Gaze actually copped to it at halftime, telling the halftime reporter that they allowed Dow Loggins, the offensive coordinator, and previously with Gaze in Chicago, they allowed Loggins to call the plays. And I noted on Twitter that they were running a lot more of the concepts you will see come Sundays when the games actually begin to count. And they were using all of these play-action boots, getting Osweiler out on the edge, getting him to the boundary, giving him very simple throws with simple one side of the field, layered reads. And that is one of Tannehill's bread and butter plays, getting out on the edge, throwing against the defense like that, or throwing on the move like that against a defense that... With Atlanta, you can kind of capitalize on their over-aggressiveness at times, and that's what you do the misdirection for and the the misdirection play actions and boots, I should say. And they also ran the famed rub-wheel concept where the boundary side receiver, so that's the short side of the field, basically runs right into the linebacker responsible for covering the running back, and this is typically in man coverage. So he'll go in there, run right to that linebacker, show the quarterback his hands and his numbers, and set a pick on that linebacker, and it allows the running back to run off of his back up the sideline for a wheel out and they ran that once but David Fells missed the pass very badly but it just speaks to an interesting point with the play calling in regards to Gaze as well as Loggins I highly doubt that Gaze would relinquish his play calling duties but I'm sure it'll be all anybody can talk about when he throws that first bubble screen against the Tennessee Titans talking about giving the play calling duties back to Loggins even though at that point he might even keep it a mystery so who knows we'll see it's going to be a storyline going forward and speaking of that wheel route from David Fales talking about him off the top I might have to make an amendment to my 53 man roster because I thought Fales had it sewn up going into this game but he did not play well, and Brock Osweiler got the offense moving, and even though I feel like he was wobbling water balloons out there, throwing ugly balls that were off target, and receivers were having to expose themselves over the middle, 
don't know. The ball just comes off his hand funny, but I don't know. I don't really care either way. I think if either one of these guys has to play significant reps for more than just a series or two, the Dolphins are going to be in trouble. But nonetheless, I think Brock might have stolen the show tonight. I am still very up in the air on that, but I will give you a prediction for it in the next segment on the roster prediction. Let's just go ahead and go down the list here of players in this game. I thought Kalen Balaj, he looks like he is really something, doesn't he? I really caught an admiration for him down at the Senior Bowl in Mobile where I thought he looked consistently like the best player on the field, and he is showing that same gliding, smooth, one-cut type of runner, a perfect fit for the scheme and the outside zone, and he can really catch the football. Another big added factor to his game, especially in this offense. Other running back, I thought Buddy Howell definitely made the practice squad. He looked very good in the game. The wide receiver battle, I think it might still be a little bit too late for Leonte Carew, but I thought Isaiah Ford and Francis Owusu both had nice-looking games. And Rashawn Scott may have seen his Dolphins career come to an end as he did leave the stadium on crutches after a foot injury, I believe it was. So some tough luck for Scott there, the undrafted free agent out of Miami a couple years ago. Going forward to the offensive line, a lot of these guys played pretty much the entirety of the game. I thought Isaac Asiata and Zach Stirrup both struggled. I still like Eric Smith at tackle. We'll see what they do there come the roster cutdowns. Defensively, I thought Cam Malvo sure as hell shut me up. I tweeted about his inability to play within a penetrating defense where he wanted to spill the defensive end and kind of lose his edge on the on the outside there on the right side but then he started doing the exact same thing I criticized him for over and over again and doing it very very well so we'll see what happens with him I think Kendall Lankford is an absolute certainty I thought Terrence Garvin locked up a spot if he hadn't done so already I thought Torrey McTire played a very nice game on the outside and may have kind of solved that cornerback issue we were talking about all camp long. And real quick, before we go to break, I want to talk just one second about Darren Rizzi's special teams units. I never do it on the podcast, but he consistently has a disciplined unit that flat out produces... It never seems to allow the big plays. It never really seems to get flagged. They swarm, they tackle. And also, Greg Joseph hit a 56-yarder in that game, which was very nice to see. A little bit of confidence coming from the undrafted rookie kicker. Plus, Matt Hawk looks way better than he did last year, something that I hope they can continue throughout the course of the season. So big hats off to Coach Rizzi for what he has done and continues to do for this Miami Dolphins organization. All right, guys, the time has come for me to make this prediction for the final time. I've been charting it on the whiteboard since February, and it's time to trim the roster from 90 men down to 53. We'll cover the entire roster. We'll select our sub package groups, our core special teamers, practice squad guys, and we'll do all of that next on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Lockdown Fins. All right, guys, rolling into segment number two, and we are going to finally predict this roster for the final time as the Dolphins have sewn up the preseason and are now just nine days away from game day, September the 9th at home at Hard Rock Stadium against Tennessee Titans. And let's talk about which guys are going to be on that roster when the Dolphins kick it off. Of course, cutdowns come on Saturday tomorrow, and that will happen at 4 o'clock Eastern though the Dolphins could make those moves earlier, as early as by the time you hear this podcast. So let's go ahead and get right to it because it might be over by the time you guys download this. The two quarterbacks on the roster, that's right. You heard that right. Just two quarterbacks. We're going to have 24 guys on offense. Those two quarterbacks, Ryan Tannehill, and I'm going with Brock Osweiler. I hate it. I don't agree with it, but I think that's what's going to happen. The running backs, Kenyon Drake, Frank Gore, Kalen Balaj, and Sonoris Perry, the four running backs. We're going to keep six wide receivers, Kenny Stills, Danny Amendola, Albert Wilson, Jakeem Grant, 
Grant. Devontae Parker begins the season as the fifth receiver, depending if he is healthy or not. Isaiah Ford will make the final roster, and they seem to like this guy and what he does as a route runner. He can contribute to all three positions on the offense. And while he's not much of a special teamer, we're not going to hold that against him because we have a lot of linebackers and corners and safeties that are going to play that spot for us. On the defensive side, tight ends, we're going with four again. Mike Gasicki, your starting tight end. Marquise Gray, your number two. Durham Smythe, your number three. And A.J. Derby sneaks onto the back of the roster. I find him as a bit of insurance for what Gasicki is or if he does not become what we think he can become. You have A.J. Derby there to kind of use that, use him as that move detached tight end piece. Offensive line, the same starting five we've known all along. Tunzel, Sitton, Kilgore, Davis, and James. And then three guys are going to be kept on the opening day roster. Probably going to see two of them active. Those guys will be Sam Young and Ted Larson. And then probably Jake Brendel will start the season as the eighth offensive lineman, the inactive guy come game days. They'll dress just seven guys because Young can play both tackle spots and Larson can play all three interior spots. And Brendel makes the team because I just didn't really view any of the other offensive linemen as having a shot to do it or guys that they wanted to have a shot to do it. Zach Sterup did not look very impressive in that game, like I mentioned. Isaac Asiato, for my money, is not rosterable, and since he was on the 53-man roster all season last year, he cannot go to the practice squad, so I have Isaac Asiata, a one-and-done, a fifth-round draft pick that basically wasted off the roster and is now no longer part of the Miami Dolphins. So those are your 24 offensive players going over to the defensive side of the football. Five defensive ends, Cam Wake, Robert Quinn, Charles Harris, William Hayes, and Andre Branch. And I had to cut Cam Malvo, even though I had him in that sixth spot all offseason long with keeping four defensive tackles. But because of the emergence of Kendall Langford, who falls fourth on my depth chart, I know it probably won't be that way come the regular season, but he falls fourth out of the five defensive tackles. Jordan Phillips, Vincent Taylor, Devon Godshaw, Kendall Langford, and then Akeem Spence bringing up the rear, and we're only going to keep 10 defensive linemen, so if you're going to keep five defensive tackles, that sixth defensive end has to go, and Cam Malvo simply gets caught up in that numbers game, and he is gone despite a very impressive fourth preseason game and some quality tape at the end of 2017. He'll probably catch on somewhere else in the NFL, and best of luck to him if he does in fact get cut. I know I'm sort of speaking in absolutes here when this has not been decided. This is just a prediction podcast, but nonetheless, I have Cam Malvo getting axed. We're going with six linebackers, Raquan McMillan, Kiko Alonso, Jerome Baker, your three guys starting in the base package. 59, Chase Allen, the fourth linebacker. I think he is going to be a core special teamer. He's a guy that you can rely on to play the B-gap to B-gap run defense. If you have to get him on the field, he can get out there and produce for you. Terrence Garvin, he will earn a spot, the fifth guy on the roster because of his special team's prowess. And I had this guy cut, but I put him on last minute. Stephon Anthony is your sixth linebacker. I just don't think they'll go with less than six linebackers. And he happens to be the sixth best one. And he can be a special team core guy as well there too. So he makes the roster. I'm going to go with six cornerbacks here. Xavier Howard, Bobby McCain, your two perimeter corners. And I moved Minka Fitzpatrick to cornerback because... Let's face it, he's going to play the slot. They have an affinity for TJ McDonald. McDonald has earned playing time on the starting 11, and I think you're going to see him out there as well as Mika Fitzpatrick. So Fitzpatrick is your slot corner, but also stays on the field as a safety when that when the base defense comes onto the field too. The fourth cornerback, Torrey McTire, 
I thought he separated himself from Cordray Tankersley significantly in this game. And speaking of Tankersley, he is the fifth cornerback, but the way he played, he sure could get cut. I, I don't know what else to say about him. He had a really rough preseason, and the sixth cornerback is going to be Jordan Lucas. I thought his special teams prowess really stood out all, all camp long, all preseason long, and he definitely played well on defense in the second half of that game tonight. And then the safeties, we're keeping four guys. Rashad Jones, you know that. TJ McDonald, you know that. Maurice Smith earned a spot on the roster. And Walt Aikens, the special teams captain, the new Michael Thomas, rounds out the offensive and defensive players. Those are your 50 guys. And then the specialists, pretty obvious here. Jason Sanders, Matt Hawk, and John Denny. And we're going to open the season with Mike Hull on the IR designated to possibly return around week eight or whatever that might be. I mentioned Jake Brendel. I think he's going to have to be forced onto the roster because of the lack of emergence of other offensive linemen. And even though he hasn't practiced in almost or over a month now, they're going to keep him on the active roster, not dress him until he gets healthy. And then maybe he is a super sub once somebody does go down inevitably. And I kind of constructed the back end of the roster in terms of what I thought special teams could best use because Darren Rizzi, like I mentioned, has a very good unit every year and they're going to definitely take what he has to say into their their heavily weigh his opinion into their final decision because his units are what they are. He's earned that right to do that and I think they make more sense than guys that can fill out like a six-man depth at linebacker. So I have nine core special teamers even though you typically only have eight of these guys. Walt Aikens, Jordan Lucas, Maurice Smith, Durham Smythe, Chase Allen, Terrence Garvin, Sonoris Perry, Tory McTire, and Stephon Anthony make up a very quality group of special teamers for the umpteenth year in a row in Miami. My 10 practice squad guys, running back Buddy Howe, I thought he looked great all preseason long. Offensive tackle Zach Stirrup, he got some action last year at the end of the season, but I just didn't see enough for him to actively put him on the roster come opening day. Francis Awusu is going to be on the practice squad as well. David Steinmetz, the Purdue product on the offensive line, gets a call there as well. Cornell Armstrong, I had him on the roster all camp and all summer long, but because of that injury he had, I don't know the severity of it just yet. He is going to start the year on the practice squad. Hopefully no one signs him away. I don't see why anybody would. Defensive end Jonathan Woodard, he gets a call to the practice squad as well. Linebacker Quentin Poling, cornerback Jalen Davis, tight end Thomas Duarte, and finally the last spot of the roster. I had him on the active roster, but I just don't think the Dolphins are going to do it. Eric Smith gets the 10th spot on the practice squad. And if you guys want to see how I sorted these guys in the personnel packages, you can check it out up on LockedOnDolphins.com right now. The final 53-man roster prediction post up on LockedOnDolphins.com as we surge towards the regular season. And speaking of regular football, there was some college football tonight and I had a personal good start to my weekend. I'm going to get you guys my college picks for the weekend on the other side of the podcast here. Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingful NFL at Locked On Fins. Rolling on on this Friday podcast, the August the 31st edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And before we get going here on some college football notes, a quick reminder for a couple of programming notes on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. That piece up on LOD.com talking about the star players on the Miami Dolphins roster who replace guys like Jarvis Landry, Jay Ajayi, and Dominican Sue. I think you guys will really enjoy that piece. So check it out, LockedOnDolphins.com. On Sunday night, we have a special guest, ESPN Dolphins beat writer Cameron Wolf will be with us. You guys will not want to miss that. I'll have tons of insider questions talking about this team, what he has noticed from them, and also the fact that he covered the Tennessee Titans last year. He can give us a quick note on our week one opponents there. But just ahead of around the corner, it's going to be go time for us. And before the NFL starts, college ball kicked it off. 
and I had a personal good start to the weekend, taking two-point dog Northwestern up at Purdue. They had two different 14-point leads in the game. That true freshman, I forget his first name, Moore out of, out of Purdue, had a school record for all-purpose yards in this game tonight, and he is a true freshman, a very, very impressive showing for him. But nonetheless, Northwestern holds on to a four-point win as they were set up at a third and 15 down in Purdue territory, and they had a stop in the backfield. We're going to have to punt the ball away. was going to have to sweat it out. But luckily, one of the Purdue defensive linemen pulled an Olivier Vernon from that 2015 game back in Jacksonville and threw the running back to the ground, got a 15-yard flag. Northwestern runs the clock out, wins the game. Boom, first bet of the year in the books as a W. And I've got four more games this weekend, one already in the books with the fifth game. And some of you guys are going to hate me for one of these picks, but my four games are this. Michigan State is at home for Utah State, minus 24. I'm taking Michigan State in that one all the way. Brian Lewerke is my QB1 going into the year. He is awesome. If you get a chance to watch him, please do that. Auburn is one and a half point favorites at, against Washington. I think they outsize, outmatch them in that regard. And I think the quarterback, Jarrett Stidham, is far better than Jake Browning. Give me Auburn and the SEC in that game. Michigan and Notre Dame meet up in South Bend, and that is a pick game. No spread there. I'm taking Michigan to win that game. Their defense is just ridiculous, and anything is better than Wilton Spate or John O'Corn at quarterback. I think Shea Patterson, the transfer from Old Miss, might be a little rough around the edges, but I think he'll play much better than what they had there in the past. And like I said, that defense is godly. And lastly, you guys are going to hate me here, but I'm going with LSU plus three over the Hurricanes. Just hear me out, guys. I know their defense is absolutely legit, but I just do not trust Malik. Malik Rozier, especially against a team like LSU and the defense they will bring to that game. So those are my five picks, 1-0 already on the weekend. And speaking of the weekend, it is time for the weekend as I got to get out of here for this podcast. We're getting so close to the season. I just cannot wait for that. Be sure to check out that Cameron Wolf podcast on Sunday over your Labor Day weekend. You guys have a safe weekend. And please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again on Sunday with Cameron Wolf for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.